This is episode 190, Stop Looking for Love in All the Wrong Places with Jane. Welcome to Over It and On With It. I'm your host, Christine Hassler, and for over a decade, I've been a life coach, speaker, and author. Each week, you'll hear me work directly with a caller as I coach them through a goal they want to accomplish or an obstacle they may be facing. I'll provide a blend of practical and spiritual advice as well as tangible actions you can apply to your own life. Now, let's get on with the episode. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to the show. For all of my new listeners, welcome. And just a little reminder, or maybe it's the first time you're hearing it from me, that every numbered episode that comes out on Wednesday is a life coaching episode where you hear a recorded session of me with someone who I've never met. It's an unedited, unscripted, unproduced, unscreened, really raw, live, vulnerable coaching session with someone who's willing to share some of the deepest things that they're dealing with, with all of you. And I'm just so grateful that so far we've had 190 people be willing to come on the show. And I know there's quite a wait list and there are people that really want to be coached on the show. You can get on the wait list if you email Sarah. Her email is assist at christinehassler.com. I also, if I have a slot open, will post on Instagram and my stories. So make sure to follow me on Instagram and watch my stories if you really want to get on the podcast. I also do monthly group live events through Zoom. They're only $20. It's another opportunity for you to get on and get coaching with me. Those are only recorded to the people who register. So it's not anything that's aired on the podcast. If you want to join me for the next one, it's christinehassler.com slash group. So as I'm recording this, I'm here in Austin facilitating the Primal Health Coach Institute Masterclass. And I'm really happy and proud to be the master coach for the Primal Health Coach Institute. And although I'm not a health professional, I've been life coaching since 2004, and they're exceptional on the science and the research and have an incredible program. And they reached out to me years ago because I had a relationship with the founder, Mark Sisson. His wife and I, his wife Carrie and I went to the same grad school and they wanted a coach to come on and really teach people how to coach and do more of the life coaching and teach people how to build a business in coaching. And it's so fulfilling. You know, I've been involved for probably about, gosh, five years now. And to see all these coaches build their business and step into to their dream and leave jobs they hate. It's just absolutely inspiring and incredible. If you have any interest in becoming a health coach or you want to learn more about this program, go to primalhealthcoach.com. It's one of the most comprehensive health and life coaching programs that I know of. You will go through this program and really feel ready to not only coach people, but build a business doing it. Our caller today, Jane, her question is about her relationship and what to do about it. And this question led us into a much deeper conversation about why she's experiencing confusion in the first place. This is a longer session because I asked Jane a lot of questions and went slower with her because I felt giving her that kind of presence and attention was very important to her healing. Hang in all the way through this call because there's lots of important ahas and things we discuss in the last 10 minutes. As you are listening, consider, are you struggling with making a decision about something like a work situation or a relationship and just can't seem to get clarity? Have you ever looked for love in the arms or the bed of another person? Have you ever had sex with someone that you really didn't want to have sex with, but you were longing for love, attention, some kind of commitment, or you thought that was the only way you could keep that person? 
When it comes to your upbringing and your past, are there some things you continue to brush under the rug? Or perhaps you have a parent or a caregiver who you love so much, maybe put them on a pedestal a little bit, and that makes it difficult to address the not so great things about the way they parented you. So keep these questions in mind as you listen to our call with Jane. Before we dive in, you've heard me talk about our sponsor, Organifi. I love Organifi because they are an organic superfood supplement that makes quality trusted nutrition convenient and accessible. I've talked about their most popular product, Green Juice, which is basically greens on the go. Today, I want to talk to you about their Complete Protein, which is a meal replacement. If you skip breakfast or you have a crazy schedule or you don't know how to make a protein shake taste good or you don't know if you're getting enough protein and you want to make sure you're not putting a protein powder in that has a bunch of crap in it, you'll love Organifi's Complete Protein. It comes in chocolate and vanilla, Stephanos loves both flavors. It's an organic plant-based protein powder that contains proteins, healthy fats, and vitamins from whole foods. No fake stuff in there. You know, most plant proteins use rice protein as a filler because it's cheaper, but it has been shown to cause a lot of gut irrigation. I stay away from rice. This protein, like I said, whole foods and minerals, most supplemental protein powders or any kind of powder use synthetic vitamins. Yuck. None of that in Organifi's product whole food-based vitamins. And there's five digestive enzymes and MCT oils in the powder. So keeps you fuller longer, gets so much of what you need that oftentimes you don't get in food. If you want to take advantage of 20% off your order, go to Organifi.com and use the code over it at checkout. You spell that O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com, code over it for 20% off at checkout. And now on to my coaching session with Jane. Jane, welcome to the show. How can I help? I guess my question is, I know it's been asked before, but I think my situation is kind of unique. I am not sure whether I should stay or leave this person. And we're kind of in limbo right now. And it's the first person who's ever treated me well. So I'm having a really hard time walking away and Mm -hmm. we work together. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I just haven't made a decision and it's been like over a year. Okay. So this is a romantic relationship, obviously. Yes. yes. Okay. Yeah. And how long have you been together? We were together for a year and then like seven months ago, we decided to take a quote unquote break, but we still acting kind of like we're together sometimes. We don't really go out, but we like are affectionate at work, off the clock, and it's just kind of a mess. Okay. So you were together a year, then you broke up yeah, and that's been seven months, but you're not really broken up. Correct. And you work together. Is it the company that you guys both own or you work for other people? You're both employees at the same company. No, we work in a restaurant for other people. Okay. 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 Got it. And when you say this is the first person that's treated you well, how did other people treat you in the past? It was my first relationship. I was 28 when we got together. Before that, I guess it's and just like the not uncommon story of kind of everything being surface level and me wanting more from people and never getting it. And I just had my heart broken a few times. And he's this person, he's honestly the first person who, the first guy who has treated me in any kind of valuable way. Okay. That's so really hard. <laughs> and what did you want more of that you weren't getting in previous relationships? Um, Commitment. Mm-hmm. in some sense of the word, I guess, and just valuing me. I guess I felt like I was being used for physical intimacy a lot. 
Mm-hmm. And I let myself be treated that way. And just when you say you let yourself be treated that way, what do you mean? I pretended like I was more <laughs> cool than I am. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and mm-hmm. I rushed into things too quickly. And I guess I used physical stuff to try to get the love. Um, yeah. Yeah. So you pretended to be kind of more cool with it, like more okay with it than you actually were. Yes. Okay. Okay. And why did you think some part of you thought you needed to have sex with men in order to get their love? I'm not sure why, but I just always really thought I put like such an emphasis on physical appearance, not for other people necessarily, I don't think, but definitely for me. Mm -hmm. It just feels like I've gotten better, but I'm still a little obsessed with it. And Mm -hmm. I just think that that's like, if you don't have, if I can't bring that, then I'm just going to get overlooked or Mm -hmm. I'm just not worth it. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. And so we're at two unworthiness and that popped up even before we started recording. When you told me you thought I was going to, you were going to waste my time. I was like, oh, we've got an unworthy one here. Okay. (laughs) So you're not alone in that. There's so many people that have that unworthiness. You weren't born that way. So what created this belief and this feeling of unworthiness so much so that you think your only value and the only way that you can be loved is if you're beautiful and sexually desirable and actually have sex with someone. How did this get created? I have done a little bit of therapy and I've done, well, started, but not finished your personal mastery class. (laughs) So I do know some stuff, I guess. A part of it probably was when I was younger, my older sister, not older by very many years, she just stopped talking to me, even though we lived in the same house. And it was like this big thing in my family, like no one could figure it out. And everyone thought it was just a phase, but we're obviously both now in our thirties and she still doesn't really talk to me. Mm -hmm. So that was hard, I guess. Um, I've never been close to women. And when I am close to men before this guy, it was always just sexually. Mm -hmm. And why did she stop talking to you? Why do you think? I'm not sure. (laughs) If you had to guess. I know she thought my mom, our mom, loved me more. Mm-hmm. And maybe she was jealous. I feel weird saying that because I don't know what she would have been jealous of, but mm-hmm. um, that's what the thought always was. And I didn't think that she thought my mom favored me. Okay. And then what was your relationship like with your dad? We're not close. <laughs> okay. Why? What happened? Yeah. I love him a lot. I just never felt comfortable with him. I saw him get upset at my mom a couple times physically and a lot of times verbally. And I guess he might've had, we don't really talk about it, but I guess he might've had a drinking problem. He never did anything to me, but I just, I don't really know how to talk to him. Mm-hmm. Are, yeah. Is he still in your life? Are your parents still married? They're still married. They're both in my life and I still will text my dad that I love him and that kind of thing. And he'll respond. But as far as like being close, that's not the kind of relationship that he and I have. And when when you were a kid and you saw your parents fight or you saw your dad being verbally abusive to your mom or upset, what did she do to manage that? How did she calm him down? What did you see her do in response to that? She yelled back a lot of times. And then she would tell me that they were going to get a divorce and I would, I would beg her not to most times when I was really young. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So she'd yell back and it, yeah. attempt to defend herself. Yes. Yeah. And that scared you because you thought they were going to get a divorce because of that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So the reason I'm asking these questions is because there's all kinds of like 
programming and choices we make as kids. And so, so much of understanding our adult life is understanding some of the programs and choices that we had as kids, right? And Mm -hmm. so basically you saw a tension between your parents. You saw your dad not treat your mom very well. And you didn't really like her choice in yelling back because that scared you because you didn't want them to get a divorce. So often when something like that happens as adults, we'll either repeat the behavior we were witnessed, or because as a young kid, we didn't like the behavior we witnessed, we'll do the opposite. Yeah. So what thought did you just have now? I guess that in the past I've, or maybe even now, I just stay and try to make things useful. Right. <laughs> right. With, with men. Right. Or everyone. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. So we'll get to that. I stay and try to make things peaceful. And one of the ways that you do that is to tolerate behavior that maybe you don't like, have sex sooner than you thought. It's, it's, you've set up a lot of strategies to avoid conflict. Yeah. Including being in one foot in, one foot out of relationship, right? Because you kind of don't want to deal with conflict. So, there's, we all have a lot to unpack. So when I say there's a lot here to unpack, I don't mean, oh, Jane, you're so, you know, there's there's so much here. (laughs) I don't know what I'm going to do with you. I mean it in, you know, there's, there's kind of multi-layers in this because then we've got sister, stop talking to you, which is definitely going to impact your self-worth. It's definitely going to impact trusting people. It's definitely going to, in a way, See, when we feel like someone is jealous of us and we don't know why, in a way, sometimes we can set up an unconscious punishment strategy because we're like, oh, I made someone else feel bad. That makes me, quote unquote, a bad person. What can I do to make myself feel bad? It's, it's a weird way that sometimes we try to even the playing field and make up for someone else feeling jealous, even if we didn't mean to make them feel jealous. It's like we make ourselves small, basically. Yeah. Because we thought we made someone else feel small. Mm-hmm. And so that makes sense. You're kind of putting yourself in these situations where you don't really feel loved in making yourself small because you think that's how your sister felt. She didn't feel loved as much. So you're kind of playing mm-hmm. it out in these relationships with men. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. So and then we've got the physical stuff of my only worth is in my appearance. And my only worth as a woman is in my ability to have sex with a man. Where did that come from? I don't know. I I guess I didn't get a lot of attention growing up. Mm-hmm. Like I said, my first relationship was at 28. I was a late bloomer. And maybe I just felt like if I looked a certain way, I got attention. And once I discovered that, that felt good. Mm-hmm. I don't know that anyone ever told me that that was like my worth. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, it's also very common. It's a very common thing women do too when they don't feel like they ever got the love and affection of dad. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> what What do I need to be to get be desired by men? Oh, well, if I look hot then, and I'm sexually desirable, well, then I get something. And you even said that you've used sex as a way to get love. And mm-hmm. I really want to say to you, Jane, like, please, please, Forgive yourself for that. And if there's any shame on that, let it go. Because that's something, especially if we've had sex when we know we haven't wanted to, there can be a ton of shame we carry around. Yeah. And you can put that down. You were doing the best you could. You were love starved. 
and you were doing the best you could with the tools you had and the wounding and the awareness that you have to get love. We as human beings, we need love. And until we really learn what healthy love is inside ourselves and with other people, we get it any way we can. And P.S. men do the same thing. (laughs) You know, yes, it's a physical thing. Men will say, oh, it's just a physical thing. But men look for love in sex as well. We're all looking for it in the different places we look at. Sometimes it's sex. Sometimes it's food. Sometimes it's work. Sometimes it's whatever. We all have our strategies. So a big part of your journey is going to be forgiving yourself and taking any shame off of that. So what's coming up for you as I say that? (laughs) I guess I just have tried to do that and I don't know how to do it really. And then it's just part of why I feel like I should be grateful for this guy who is in my life. (laughs) It's like I complain about men not treating me well and then someone comes along and does and then I don't appreciate it maybe. Mm. Well, and, and, you know, I don't yet know, cause we haven't gotten there yet, but we can go there now, whether you're pushing them away because you're scared and your own worthiness issues are pushing love away, or if this is not, not the right fit or the right time. Mm-hmm. So what in the relationship isn't working from your perspective? There was just never a lot of like passion or romance. And I feel like I'm a little behind in all this, but I guess I know that doesn't last forever necessarily, but it was just never there at all. And uh, Like there was no chemistry? I think there was before we got together. We were friends first and mm-hmm. I was excited about it. And then we got together and it just felt like a letdown immediately. And For both of you or just you? I think just for me. Mm-hmm. Why do you think that is? I, I, <laughs> that's, that's why I don't. Part of why I don't walk away is because I worry maybe I'm addicted to something or attracted to something that's maybe not good. And so I get something else and it's like, oh, I don't want it, even though I thought that's always what I wanted a guy to do. (laughs) Well, I think what it's more about is you're a little confused on what love is. Yeah. So what is love? Um, I guess it's just, it's respecting someone and I, I don't know, uh, being there for them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm not sure. <laughs> so kind of all the things your dad wasn't. Yeah. Right. So part of what is driving this and you, this won't be surprised to you because you listen to the show is, you know, we, we deify our parents and then we go, date them. (laughs) So we make them God as kids. We put them off on this pedestal and then they don't give us certain things. And so we go look for those things that people we date and you've drawn in men who, um, are emotionally unavailable and really not there for you like your dad. And now you've got a man who actually is there and maybe isn't like your dad. And because you haven't quite healed the wounding with your dad, you're pushing for him away because there's a part of you that still wants to date dad. Yeah. So this really has zero to do with him and more Mm -hmm. to do with there's a dad wound in there that is clouding your ability to have clarity in your relationship. 
So kind of repeat back to me what you're hearing. That it's not necessarily about this guy or any guy. If I do leave him, uh, that it's about me and yeah, what I didn't get from my dad. Yeah. 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 And so, you know, you don't want to be with someone that just, that you don't want to leave just because they're nice <laughs> and you don't think you could do quote unquote better. But really, it's from my point of view and from hearing everything you've shared with me so far, why often we don't have clarity is because we're, we're digging in the wrong hole. You know, we're looking in the wrong direction and you kind of keep looking at this guy compared to the past guys. Do you want to be in? Do you want to be out? Oh, he's treated you nice. And you're not getting clarity because really the issue here is dad. Mm -hmm. You know, you said you loved him, but you never felt comfortable with him. You saw him be abusive to your mom. You think he had a drinking problem. That definitely, Mm -hmm. you know, all of that means he wasn't really emotionally available. You really didn't feel safe with him. There was inconsistency. You didn't know what you needed to do to get his love and approval. You never felt like Mm -hmm. you could really be yourself. And you still, like, deep down don't really know how he feels about you which is why you keep attracting men who are ambivalent in how they feel about you and not really committed because that's familiar. What I think is so beautiful about this man that's come into your life now is it's given you the ability to get out of that pattern. Like you're, mm-hmm. instead of obsessing yeah. on the guy and getting yeah. his love and getting his affection, you've got somebody there that loves you and that is good to you. And so when, when sort of the dust settles on the current pattern we're playing out and it's not there anymore to distract us, then often the real issue can come up. And uh-huh. I think it's beautiful that your soul has constructed this relationship that's not the pattern of the men you normally have been with or been attracted to because then this deeper issue is coming up. Do yeah. you see that? I do, Yeah. Yeah. If your dad was here right now and he said to you, Jane, I tell me anything, tell me anything you want me to know. Tell me anything you wish you would have had for me. Tell me anything that's in your heart, anything you're mad at me about. What would you say to him? Um, I would say that I love him because I really do. I worry about him all the time. But I do wish that I guess things could have been a little different and that we could have been closer and I could have been a little less afraid of him. Why were you afraid of him? I just never wanted him to get mad. It just made me worried when he got mad and I never wanted him to leave and he left a couple of times, you know. It still makes me worried when he gets mad (laughs) if he does, you know. What happens when he gets mad? I mean, it doesn't happen as much anymore because I don't spend a lot of time with him, but it's just so much more frightening than anyone else. <laughs> more um, frightening. Yeah, I, yeah, you know, I, I just, mm-hmm. I don't know what he's going to do. Like yeah. I said, he never did anything to me, but I don't know. It, it seems more volatile, like less mm-hmm. contained mm-hmm. than if my mom gets mad when she does all the time, you know, so. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I can see how I feel that way about how I attracted that. Yeah. In my life as an adult. Yeah. 
And so it's, you have a very, you know, that little girl inside and the grown up you have a very confusing relationship with dad, which is again, why you're in a confused pattern because you love him and you're terrified of him. Yeah. It's definitely not black and white. (laughs) Well, yeah. Like it's clear in terms of what the issue is here or Mm -hmm, better said, the opportunity for healing. Mm -hmm. But the dynamic inside of you with your dad is very confusing to a child, which is why when it comes to navigating relationships with men, you feel a little lost at times. Yeah. Like, what do I want? What does feel good? You know, because you have this volatile and your words relationship with that, or he was a volatile Mm -hmm. person, which creates Mm -hmm. a volatile relationship inside ourselves. So my recommendation to you is, well, let me, let me ask you this. The, the man that you're kind of sort of in a relationship with, what is he asking for? I think that's part of the problem that maybe we both don't really know. I think he wants to be exclusive again, but when we were together for over a year, no one said, like, I love you. And there's a part of me that feels like he doesn't really know and he doesn't talk a lot. So I'm not always sure what's going on, but Mm -hmm. it's very clear that he like really respects me and values me and definitely wants me in his life. And if he had a choice, we've talked about being like casual or whatever, and he doesn't want that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and also about, like, it sounds like you both have a lot of walls up, (laughs) a lot of guards up. (laughs) And when we have a lot of walls and guards up, it's really hard to have passion and romance in a relationship unless it's based on unresolved issues. It's easy to have passion and chemistry when, you know, our issues are playing out. Like it's easy to have passion and chemistry with the unavailable guy who's volatile in how he treats you because you're, it's like a drug, right? It's like, oh, please have sex with me because then in that moment, everything's okay. In that moment, we're connected. So Mm -hmm. what's actually driving the passion isn't healthy sexual desire and passion. It's wounding that's hurting so bad. And when we have sex, we get a momentary feeling of reprieve. Yeah. So know that the past passion you've had with people wasn't actually true, healthy sexual desire. It was passion that was created from wanting reprieve from feeling so triggered. Yeah. So my recommendation would be, you said you were in therapy for a little bit. This is something that from my point of view, getting some help navigating would be helpful. Yeah. And I would put a pause on the relationship mm-hmm. and just say, I've got some stuff that I'm working through that make it more challenging for me to be clear in a relationship right now. And I need to spend some time focusing on me. And honestly, if he's kind of wishy-washy with what he wants as well, it'd probably be good for him too. Mm-hmm. But as long as you're focused on the relationship and whether or not you want it, you're not going to focus to the degree that you need to on yourself. That makes sense. 
Yeah. So it's like you kind of need a period where you're not deciding about a guy or trying to get a guy to decide about you. See how you've been in this pattern about, please let them choose me or do I want to choose him? It's like you're constantly in this confusion and lack of clarity. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) I had a feeling that that was going to be part of the, the recommendation. Yeah. It makes sense. And I think that's what I tried to do like seven months ago, but I obviously didn't actually follow through with it Mm -hmm. and working together makes it a little more challenging, but I didn't really let the break actually happen. Right. Right. And you know, it might be wise to look for a job in another restaurant Yeah, yeah. and get some space so so that you can, Mm -hmm. you know, and this isn't a trite piece of advice of, Oh, you're having relationship challenges, spend some time with yourself, love yourself, and then everything will be fine. It's not coming from that place. It's really coming from listening to you and observing you've been in this pattern of either getting someone to choose you or deciding if you want to choose someone that's, that's keeping you looping and kind of yeah. keeping you hovering over a pain point. Cause I think part of, part of Jane, what is keeping you in this pattern and making you avoid dealing with the kind of core wounding is because you love your dad a lot. Mm-hmm. And there's a part of you yeah. that doesn't want to look at the ugliness. There's a part of you that doesn't want to look at how angry you are. There's a part of you that doesn't want to look at how abusive he was. There's a part of you that doesn't yeah. want to remember all that, see all that, anything. Because for some reason, you've got him on a bit of a pedestal. Yeah. I guess I just, you know, they're getting older. I don't want to, <laughs> I don't want to be angry at anyone, maybe at what might be the end of, I don't know. Well, <laughs> I guess I just try to make peace with everything like yeah. I, we talked about in the beginning. <laughs> well, the anger's in there. It's in there. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's really about letting it out so that you can process it and eventually get to such a deep place of forgiveness that you can really see your father and forgive your father before he dies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm not saying you got to be angry at him and hate him the rest of your, your life. That sure. is not at all what I'm saying. But it's you've got to be willing to look at, I know at your core you love him and he loves you. And he's a person mm-hmm. with his own wounding who took a lot of that yeah. wounding out on how he fathered and how he was a husband because he didn't have better tools. But you can't just give him a spiritual bypass and yeah. not deal with the fact that there was some ugly yeah. stuff and you don't have to spend years in therapy and you don't have to, you know, deal yeah. with this. For, it, it doesn't have to be this long, arduous process. It can be something that you, you're willing to go into, look at, go to the depths of it, go to the darkness of it, have a guide with you and, and then start getting to the other side. It's better to deal with the truth than to live in a fantasy Mm -hmm. and avoid reality. How are you feeling? I feel okay. (laughs) It's nothing super shocking. It's just, I don't know, it sounds trite to say, but it's just hard. I (laughs) I do feel like working on myself has been like this long process. Mm -hmm. I guess that's how it is for everyone. I just, Sometimes I get frustrated because I feel like I don't change. I'll 
get excited about something and, and then I'll feel a different person for a little while and that it, it just never. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and sometimes the reason why it feels like a long, hard process is because we're not kind of going deep enough into the core issue. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Yeah. And I've never stuck with anything very long, so. Well, there you go. Um, yeah. <laughs> there you go. You kind of bail when it gets starts to get intense. So yeah. stick with it. You know, you've attracted men in your past with commitment issues. See how that's a projection. See if you can be a little more committed to yourself so that you can attract someone who can commit to you. If you can't commit to yourself, how do you expect someone to commit to you? Okay. well thank you Christine my pleasure I appreciate it (laughs) my pleasure thank you Jane for your honesty and openness on this call especially about going to men or having sex because you thought that is how you could get love or that's all men really wanted from you I trust a lot of people receive value from your vulnerability So as I mentioned in the call, before I started recording, Jane and I spoke briefly and she shared she was nervous and afraid she'd be wasting my time. That was a big clue into one of the things that would come forward in this coaching session, low self-worth. I believe every person is worthy of love and attention, Jane being no different, but her own insecurities and limiting beliefs about herself or that she thought she, you know, just was such a problem made her comment about wasting my time. Just that alone reveals that receiving love and attention without giving anything in return is challenging for her, which was revealed even deeper as we got into the conversation. She believed that her worth and value came from being attractive to men and that sleeping with men, even if she didn't want to, was what she needed to do in order to keep them. So important for Jane and for you, if you relate to Jane, to let go of any shame around that if you've done that. We all play out our wounding in different ways and it's very common to look for love and validation in sex, whether you're a man or a woman, if it was something that was missing from one of your primary caregivers. In other words, if you didn't get love and care from your primary caregiver, a lot of times you'll look for that in the arms of a lover. But then the shame gets to be too much. You don't want to keep having sex with people you don't want to have sex with. And often the next thing that you do then is seek out someone who's quote unquote safe there's not much chemistry or attraction there because so much of what was driving that sexual attraction in the past wasn't true sexual desire. It was wounding. For Jane, it was the part of her that was looking for love. You know, it actually wasn't pure sexual desire that was making her seek out these men. She seeked out kind of emotionally unavailable and consistent noncommittal men, kind of men who were like her dad. And that was creating the attraction. Your wounding can make someone seem very attractive. I call it an issue-based relationship. And there's tons of chemistry in those, which is why I don't recommend sleeping around a lot until you know what actually is making a person attractive and you know what your issues are. So you're not attracting people in the relationship format to trigger all your issues. So between Jane's dad being an alcoholic and abusive and not really there for her and her sister not speaking to her, it's no wonder Jane didn't feel lovable and had to come up with a strategy to be lovable because deep down she didn't think she was. And her strategy was, well, I'll just make myself super attractive and I'll have sex with men even if I don't want to because at least then in that moment, I feel like they're there for me. I feel like they're committed to me. When we don't feel loved by the people in our family, the very people who are quote unquote supposed to love us, of course, our wires get a bit crossed and we start to look for love in some not so loving places. To talk a little bit more about this issue-based relationship, 
I remember Alison Armstrong. I heard a recording of hers years ago and she teaches something called PAX programs and she's one of the leaders in masculine feminine communication. And she said, if you feel attracted to someone like chemistry, attractive, like fireworks, like pit in your stomach when you're about to see them just like off the wall, can't get enough, like a drug, run the other direction because that's basically a massive red flag. And that always stuck with me because I'm like, but I want to be really attracted to someone. But I can think back to the men where I had that like, whoa, like drug, so just animal chemistry attraction. And it definitely was more coming from my woundings and insecurities. And those definitely were the ones that weren't emotionally available. When I met Stephanos for the first time, and those of you who know our story know that we had about almost a two-month relationship over WhatsApp and FaceTime because I was in America and he was in Australia. And we met in person. A lot of people asked me, oh my gosh, was the chemistry off the roof? Like, was it just crazy? Yes and no. So it wasn't crazy chemistry. It wasn't fireworks. It was a feeling of home. It was a different kind of attraction. It was a healthy, love-based, fulfilling kind of attraction, not the you're my drug and I need you to make me feel better. It was a very, very different feeling. So if you notice that you're out there kind of looking for that dopamine hit, you're looking for that kind of attraction that makes you feel better, you may want to press pause on dating for a while because truly you will just keep attracting issue-based relationships until you deal with your issues. So I covered a lot in this session with Jane. So there's just a few things I want to highlight. So when we're confused about something, for example, in her case, confused about what to do in this relationship, it's usually because we're in the past and the future at the same time. I remember my first coach, Mona, would always say to me whenever I'd come in, and I'm like, I'm so confused. I'm so confused. She's like, well, you're being triggered by something in the past and you're trying to figure out something in the future at the same time. Got one foot in the past, one foot in the future. You got to get in the present, sort this out to get clarity. So I always keep that in mind whenever I feel confused or I'm coaching someone who's confused. Usually that means that something from their past is triggering them in their present and they can't figure out their future because of it. So the reason that Jane was so confused is because the issue wasn't about her being confused in the relationship. The issue was she kept bouncing between trying to get a man to commit and then trying to decide if she wanted to commit to the safer guy. When really the work and the healing opportunity is about her relationship with her dad. And that brings me to my next point. Oftentimes, if we have love for a parent, if we put that on a pedestal at all, if we have massive guilt about thinking anything poorly about them, it will block us from doing our healing work. And I really encouraged and supported Jane in seeing that if she doesn't actually deal with any of the anger or the sadness and take an honest look at how her dad showed up as a dad, then she'll one, continue to play out this pattern, and two, she'll never really be able to get to a deep level of forgiveness. Right now, she's kind of brushing a lot under the rug and pretending things were okay and worrying about him, when if she actually went back and dealt with her feelings and was with that little girl who didn't get her needs met in the relationship, then not only would she have a better relationship with her down down the road because she would actually get to a place of acceptance and forgiveness, but two, she'd have much better relationships with men. Now, when we're dealing with old stuff about a parent or anyone we're close to for a while, it can feel a little awkward. It can feel a little difficult. You might have some anger come up and not want to talk to them for a while, but if you keep doing the work, you do get through it. 
The other thing Jane said is that, oh, it's so hard and I don't make progress and da, 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 da. I think that's because she's not going deep enough on the core issue. Like I've said on the show before, you don't need to spend years and years and years and years and years in therapy. Growth is a continual process. I had a big cry last night on the phone with Stephanos because something came up for me, but I have the tools to navigate through it. And I knew what it was and I moved through it quickly. It didn't take years. It didn't wipe me out for hours at a time, but I'm still human and I'm still growing and I'm still evolving. But I will tell you that the way I feel today is so different than the way I felt even a year ago and things that I never thought I'd get over. I can honestly say I'm over and I've helped hundreds. I don't even know, maybe thousands of people do the same. So it is possible. Yeah. It's not an overnight process. I don't believe in quick fixes, but it is possible. And how I can help you best with that is in my personal mastery program. So if you haven't gone to christinehaster.com slash mastery and learned about my online course, which also includes a live one day event with me, it's coming up in May. So you want to take action on this quickly and monthly group coaching calls that are only for my mastery community. So it's not like you get this automated course from me and then you never hear from me. You have monthly coaching calls. You have a a one-day live event every year. I'm active in the Facebook group. There are other coaches there supporting you. It really is an incredible community. So head on over to christinehassler.com slash mastery. All right, everybody, that is our show for today. Sending you so much love and many blessings. Thank you for listening to Over It Non With It. I love hearing from you. So please post your comments or questions at christinehassler.com slash podcast. That's also the place you can sign up to receive coaching from me in an upcoming episode. And if you love this show, please share it and subscribe on iTunes. You can find all my social media handles and sign up to be part of my community at christinehassler.com. Until next week, here's to getting over it and on with it. Much love and many blessings. Blessings.